0: and gentlemen welcome back to podcastjuice.net my name is Michael Dean and you are joining us on the podcast about Prince aka the prince podcast we got a special guest today we have the one and only DJ rashida how are you
1: I am beautiful I'm doing wonderful today how are y'all doing doing good sound like how you
0: are you like, doing sir I'm doing good sound like you like in the summer I just I picture you in the middle of like some trees and the sunshine I got the birds tripping back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: basically yeah we're sitting out on the porch right now Bird. so okay. yeah we're amongst the birds
0: and um and I, just to, to to tell the listeners so uh your little one you you at home your mother doing your thing so we we appreciate I that i am a mommy that. that's right that's right
1: oh thank you yes i have a 5 year old so do expect uh <laughs> to have her be a part of this interview that's right that's all right that's <laughs> all right. that's definitely going to happen
0: Okay. Uh, well, I want to just go start at the top for me. Now, I've I I never met you before. I've seen you in person when you guys came. When I say you guys, you and Prince and and everyone came to Seattle uh, a few years ago.
1: Oh yeah, um, yeah. It was like yep.
0: a, you guys did like an after party thing.
1: I remember mm-hmm. seeing you
0: up there. Um, but I wanted. To, so this is the Prince podcast. So we're gonna uh. talk about some Prince stuff, but we're also gonna talk about some hip hop and and some DJ type of stuff. So I want to start things by asking you off, though, for the audience. When did you first Mm -hmm. meet Prince? Take us to
1: that. I met Prince um, at the House of Blues in October of 2004. Uh, I was the resident DJ in the foundation room on the weekends at uh, House of Blues. And, um, you know, as fate would have it, he... Did his all his after parties in the rooms right next door to the foundation room, um, the parish room. Sorry, I'm out of breath now. <laughs> Just I'm gonna run down the stairs. And um, I was during the musicology tour. Um, okay. I now I know, but he was doing after parties there. And I remember he even did, you know, he did some type of after jam. You know, one mm-hmm. of his one of his late night things, actually at the House of Blues one night because I remember that was thrilling um you know I was definitely in there as like an employee you know like okay. through the kitchen like okay. <laughs> you know so yeah that was exciting but yep that's that's when it all went down
0: um so so you to that initial meeting like was it just like a hey what's up type thing or did how far did it take oh, with, between which when you started like you know clicking up and working with her so
1: um so yeah so in October is the actually that was the first party that I ever did for him okay. was in October of 2004. and um, basically, I had gotten a call from the House of Blues saying that he had requested me to play one of his after parties, and you know, at that point I already knew that he was coming next door and doing the parties uh, sorry no, so my he of thought um, he, he
0: requested you to, to come and work.
1: Oh, yes. Which I mean, you know, I like I think I ran around my house like in a circle <laughs> and, you know, called my mom and, you know, I was so thrilled. And um, and then most recently come to find out Ruth Arzadi is the one who actually hired me. And because oh, okay. she and I have been talking and connecting the dots lately. And she was like, yeah, she's like, I'm the one who, you know, who hired you. And I was like, oh, amazing. Bless <laughs> you. So, yeah. So that's okay. how it started. And basically, I mean the very first time I met him was at the first party that I played there in the parish room for him and um man it was it just it just felt very organic I mean I remember leading up to that gig, um, you know, the folks at the at the House of Blues who obviously, you know, he had already been doing stuff there for a minute. And, you know, somebody said, you know, don't look him in the eye. And somebody else said, you know, don't don't do this. And another somebody else said, Oh, you should play this and, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, I I'm just so happy that I did me because mm. it ended up just I'll put it like this, you know, I'm in there waiting for the party to come and he's the first person who comes in and I'm just playing, you know, my records, my, my stuff, which at the time was not, um, not radio, not top 40, not, Not what basically everybody, all my friends in the industry had told me, like, Rashida, if you want to, I was in the underground, you know, and and people were were telling me, hey, if you want to start really making money as a DJ, if you want to play the Hollywood parties, if you want to, you know, basically be in the industry, do shit in the industry. Right. Oh, can you, I'm sorry. Can you curse my Yes, you can. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Basically, like, if you want to get on that level, you have to start playing commercial music. You have to start Mm. playing with what's hot, what's on the radio. And, um, that was just not me (laughs) at the time. And so I was playing a lot of rare groove and funk and soul and disco. And, um, and now I look back on it and I'm like, man, you know, none of it, it was all, it was all just exactly, you know, it just it all connected. And so, so anyway, I'm in the party he comes in and he came up to me and I was playing, you know, playing my records and right away he started talking to me about the music and it just felt, you know, now going back to everybody saying, Oh, don't look at him and don't do this and don't do that. man, it was so organic. He was so cool. First of all, like he was so freaking cool. <laughs> and that was it. We just started talking and like, that was it. It was just, it was organic. I felt like, I don't know. I felt like, um, like, I was exactly where I was supposed to be. And okay. and sure enough, that would, you know, that would prove to be the case. So,
0: Was it like uh, the ex- expectations you thought, like, this is Prince and superstar dude guy, but then the person that you actually meet, it's like, oh, it really, okay, he can chop it up with this dude. You know, it's not some, it, it wasn't those mm-hmm. things. Well, I don't know. Is that, was he what you thought he was going to be? Uh,
1: I didn't have, I mean. I didn't have any expectations, but I will say, like, I had his poster on my wall, right? I had two okay. posters. I had the <laughs> I had the Purple Rain poster, and then I had the— uh, Don't say the, the controversy. Controver- no, the Dirty Mind. Yeah, it's the controversy poster. The yeah, shower yeah, yeah. poster? The shower one. <laughs> Hilarious. Yes, which, by the way, my cousin, <laughs> which if he hears this, he's going to laugh, he would come up to my spot, and he every time he'd walk in, he would see that poster and be like, Sheeta, can you please take that shit down? Like, please take it down, you know? <laughs> um, but but anyhow, so... But I just remember thinking, like, that that was tribe. And, like, especially, you know, the, the poster with, with him and the revolution. I just always felt like... Um, I don't know. I just always felt like that was my people. So I didn't really have any okay. expectations. I mean, I was very excited, you know? But I didn't think... I don't know. I, I don't know that I expected anything. I was just, you know, just excited and okay. felt like, yeah, this is. Man. So. It just made sense to me. <laughs>
0: oh, so this is interesting. So you, you had the, the Purple Rain concert. I mean, a concert, but the Purple Rain album poster and that controversy. Um, And this, mm-hmm. and you had that in 2000s, you had that on your wall. Is that what you're saying? Or.
1: Oh, first of all, you know, it's so great. I looked back at some photos from my college dorm. I went to art school in Atlanta. And um, that's when I first got my turntables. And it's just one of those things, like, I didn't even really remember that I'd had it that long. But I had the Purple Rain poster up, like with my original DJ setup, 1998, you know, everything my you know my records and my messy dorm and there's like you know this poster and i I saw that and i said wow you know because at the time you don't think that well i wasn't thinking about manifesting any of that it wasn't a thought in my mind you know but it was always there you know he that his energy and that that, that's very interesting you know that world it was it was already it was there i just didn't you know i hadn't manifested it yet hadn't stepped into it yet wow but, yeah uh,
0: now were you yes, you went baby. to school in atlanta is that where you're from or where are you from
1: i did um no i i'm kind of from all over the place um okay. i was born in los angeles okay and this is where my father's side is from so all my my dad's side is here go ahead baby just look from west coast west side
0: so did you come up like in um, they... in, in in cali area la
1: sorry So, um, yeah, so LA, I was in here when I was little and then, um, and then I moved to New Mexico, which is where my mother is from. Hmm. And I was there, um, until 13 years old. And then my dad basically picked me up and took me to Atlanta. And then I went to high school, stayed in Atlanta for college, and then I moved back to LA. So, okay. All around.
0: So you was in Atlanta, man, this would have been the, uh. All the outcasts in the and all that was popping. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, the, mm-hmm, the 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 year that I moved there, um, Southern Playlist came out, and so yeah, man. Um, that pff, Atlanta, I I just I feel like uh, I don't even know if I would be a DJ if I hadn't come up in Atlanta because all the music scenes that I got exposed to there um, just really, you know, changed my changed my world and. Um, just opened me up to, to so many new sounds and and whatnot. You know, I was, um, really heavy into the dance hall scene and like the jungle drum and bass scene and the deep house scene. And of course, you know, hip hop, but there was just so, there was such a variety of nightlife and music culture and, um, yeah, I'm um, I'm really thankful for that experience.
0: What got you to like? So for me, like when I think of DJs, Is you know, I come from an right? era where the DJ was bigger than the I MC, right?
1: Like, right? You had uh, right, right, right,
0: uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff, uh, Jam Master Jay, uh, Eric B and Rakim, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. Grandmaster Flash, and, right, and going back. And so when I think of a DJ, I'm like, okay, the OG, what, yeah. What, what 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 made you move toward being a DJ as opposed to sort of later in the years, you know, the, the, the MC, the rapper became more of the focal point. But like, how did you get? Right. How did you get into the wheels of steel? Like, how did? On,
1: so specifically, what what led me into getting my turntables was um, listening to house and jungle drum and bass DJs. And the reason being, I love the hip hop DJs. I love the dance hall DJs, um, but the house DJs and the the jungle DJs, when they were mixing the records, I mean, I didn't know what the mechanics of it was, but to me, it just sounded like it was magical. Like they would do these long mixes and it just sounded like these live remixes. And I don't know, I just wanted to be able to do it, you know? And I was working at a, a spot called Wish that's still there, I think in little five points. And um, they had DJs in there on the weekends. And I put myself in charge of booking all the DJs oh, wow. so that I could basically, you know, go practice on the, you know, go play with the turntables and whatnot before they'd come play and that kind of jazz. And then I just put it out there. I had a bunch of DJ homies and, you know, I put it out there that I needed turntables and somebody was like, Oh, I have something so you can, you can buy. And, you know, just organically kind of came together, but I never had the intention of being a club DJ. I just, I was a bedroom DJ and I, that's what I thought I'd always be. And I was okay with that. I just wanted to make mixtapes for myself and for my friends. Okay. And, um, and then my, my friends that, you know, knew that I was a bedroom DJ, they, uh, they started having parties and they would basically force me to come play them. <laughs> and, that's when, um, you know, I discovered kind of the world of playing out, which is very different, but but they mm-hmm. were digging it and I was actually having fun doing it too. And that's, that's really, that's how it started. And then, you know, once I started doing that more, then I started getting more serious about it. And uh, as far as, you know, making, shifting from a hobby into right. a career and really, you know, going somewhere with it. But Yeah. That's, that's how it went down.
0: How, how long was that transition from doing it as a hobby to deciding that, yeah, I want to do this profession, you know, professionally like?
1: Right. Right. Okay. So it was a few years. So I started in 98 when I moved back to LA in 2001, I started um, doing uh, my own nights and that's when I got my first residencies here in LA. And for sure, that's when, um, you know, I just I, I wanted to be able to just DJ. And so I was bartending and working um at the club there was a place called Temple Bar, a amazing music, live music venue here in LA. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was incredible. And that place just, you know, they gave me my first shot. They gave me like I also bartended for them, but they gave me my first residency. And so when I was there, I was able to open up for you know, some of my mo- my favorite people, uh, Raphael Sadiq and joy and, oh, wow. um, okay. Damian Marley. And just like, you know, Mika Costa used to play there all the time. And I ended up bringing Prince back there. Um, you know, once we had become friends, bringing him back there to listen to people and, you know, he really does that spot too. And it was just, it was special, you know, it was just, um, it was a special place, gotcha. uh, music wise. And yeah. And then, so I think that's that's when it really started. And then I decided to quit bartending and DJ full time. And then that's when the house of blues, uh, residency happened. And right after that, I met P and then that was it. Then it was, a, became a full on, you know, it was, wow. it became a full on career. And
0: did you ever, yeah. did you ever feel yeah. like, um, I know sometimes people feel like we ever heard of like imposter syndrome Especially when you get around mm-hmm. really big, like Prince, you know, and I know you've done stuff with like Bruno Mars mm-hmm. and other people. Do you ever feel like, did you ever feel mm-hmm. like, I, I, am I a real DJ or, I, you know what I mean? Is that ever in those insecurities?
1: Nah. Okay. Because here's the thing, you know, I know this is a new world of like people picking up the DJ, the DJ thing or the DJ name even just as um, well, A, you can it's profitable now. Right. So mm-hmm. people are like, yeah, they don't make a dollar. Um, or because it's just like, it's cool. You know, I've been doing this since it was not super cool. I've been doing this since it was like mad expensive. Like you had to pay, <laughs> use all your money for records right. and for equipment and also you used to have to take your records
0: the crates
1: everywhere with you and crates, Okay, so, like I have the bruises and the you know the, the 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 bad knees and everything else you know as a result of that, and it's like it was not easy. it was not you had to really be dedicated yeah. to it at that time now, all you need is a laptop, and that's it's a beautiful it's amazing, you know, but back in the day there was a it was just a different level of commitment that's mm-hmm. also i mean that's the thought that doesn't even cross my mind that you know.
0: I remember the when the imposter uh, thing, because
1: I'm like, no, nah, okay. I really do
0: this. I, that's, okay. that's what I'm saying. And I remember, you know, talking to DJs that I do know. I remember when, like, was it Serato came out and it was always mm-hmm. th- that whole thing about, oh, man, you you just going to be spinning the MP3s versus action to have the actual vinyl. Is that still a thing that DJs yeah. talk about? <laughs>
1: um, Well, it's interesting because, you know, on one hand, um, there is no doubt. I mean, vinyl it just, it's so much warmer. It feels, you just feel it mm-hmm. differently, you know. Um, But Serato, I mean, Serato, I was very late to get on it. Um, and actually for the first, maybe like first three or four years that I was playing with P, I was still playing only vinyl. Oh. And then I, you know, I switched over to Serato and I was kind of, I was late on that um, in regards to like my DJ peers. But um, but then once I got on it, the beautiful thing about it is like, you know, you just have a million records at your fingertips yeah. and you don't have to, you know, cause with crates, you have what you have mm-hmm. and that's it. And, um, and that was its own special thing too, but you know, just different, but there, but Serato is amazing. I mean, what a, what an incredible tool, you know, and also it's opened it up so that, you know, folks who haven't been collecting records forever and haven't been doing that, you know, are able to, to get on and, um, you know, and start DJing. So it's dope. It's dope. But, you know, I do prefer vinyl. I love vinyl. And now that this quarantine has happened, um, you know, and, and people are DJing out of their living rooms and their, uh, studios and whatnot. I'm actually really excited because, and I, I just set my studio up. So I, everything's,
0: it's a hot mess,
1: but I'm really excited to start going through my records and I want to play some vinyl sets because now it's like, now that we're doing stuff for my houses, it's like super possible. You know, I don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to hurt, hurt my back to, to go play right. some vinyl, you know, for people. So, okay, yeah. All right. I want
0: to jump into another Prince uh, related question. And well first of all, I mean, you're mm-hmm. immortalized in uh, the Black Sweat video. Like that was... That was a dope. Oh, man. Dope right there. So cool. Talk, talk to me about making Heck that yeah. that video. How was that experience?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, Let's see. Let me transport myself back <laughs> there. Um, there was a lot going on around that time. Um, obviously, I mean, there's like there was a radio show and there was a movie being made. Yeah, uh, and I want to ask you about
0: that afterwards. All too. kinds
1: of jazz. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And... You know, so I just remember all of that kind. Of, I just remember the Black Sweat video being kind of wrapped up in that whole period, and we were doing parties too. So it was just kind of a part of that whole experience. And we were at um, we were at this one particular house, which I just gotta tell you because this is I think this is so hilarious. So there there was a few thirty one twenty one houses, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I'm sorry. No, I think maybe there was two. Yeah. And then the next one was 77 Beverly Park, but there was the original 3121 house. And then when he moved to the next spot, he had the address changed to 3121, like just, you know, the numbers on the, on the door. And so people couldn't find it because it didn't exist you know literally on that street and so people would be like wait where's the you know people would be so confused and I just always thought that is hilarious he's like nope this is 3121 now so y'all figure it out but um but anyway in that particular house that's where a lot of this stuff was happening including the video you know we shot it in the house so um yeah I just remember it kind of being wrapped up with all of the other fun stuff that was happening at the time. Now, of and Hammery, you know, directed it was beautiful. Yeah. Fatima yes. Robinson, she was doing the choreography, and yeah, it was really dope, super dope.
0: Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a dope look. Like really seeing some, some sisters up front in the video. Yeah, with Prince, that was yeah, that was needed. That was needed. Um, so you mentioned the 3121 movie and I remember, you know, as a fan, you know, I've mm-hmm. got the album and you open it up and it's saying mm-hmm. something about 3121 movie. So we was ready. We was like, OK, where is this? At? And oh, it never wow. came out, right? And I'm like,
1: that's a trip. I didn't even know that it was announced on the. I didn't know it was announced on the sleeve. Yeah. It's oh, wow. The album, OK. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So from your recollection, I don't know if you ever saw it or not, but do you know what it was about? Mm-hmm. Was there some sort of story or anything you remember?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll put it like this. It was <laughs> over a few years. Um, I saw the movie change. Like I saw, you know, the some of the content and the, the I just saw it changing. So like it started off as one thing. Hmm. And, and actually, you should probably interview um Senna you know and she can you know give you the the full story but it I remember it started off as one thing and then it kind of started to morph into another thing with some elements of the original idea and um it was just it was something that was kind of being worked I mean from my perspective it seemed like it was kind of sporadically being worked on at different times you know like I it just like I would kind of forget about it. And then I'd hear, Oh yeah. You know, we're doing a scene for, for the movie. I'd be like, Oh, okay. That's still happening. Okay, cool. (laughs) And then it was just kind of changing. And, you know, it's funny because the radio show, I have some footage from, you know, the, the movie that, and I forgot about this until the radio show came up. But basically when the radio show didn't pan out, then P was like, okay, cool let's he basically he took this the the radio show and added it to the movie and so there's some scenes where i'm like playing you know dj and talking to ezekiel over the you know over the the phone or whatever it's like i'm in a radio station with the the vibe that was set and um yeah wow so you guys added acted some of that out it kind of got transferred to that Yes. Oh wow. Yes, you want to call it that?
0: (laughs) Was Cat Williams also sort of sometimes featured in the actual video part, or not?
1: No, no. So it's just me talking to him on the phone and basically like replaying the audio. Gotcha. You know, replaying the audio, and then I'm acting out the my part, basically.
0: Okay, so it, okay, okay, that gives us a little bit of a little something we can look forward to. Maybe a one day the estate will will bless us with that. Um, the thirty. 30- yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Oh,
1: go ahead, go ahead. What I was
0: going to say the thirty-one twenty-one radio. So we've had a chance to listen to this, and it's funny mm-hmm. to me because you know I I knew going in. I said, okay, they're going to have Cat Williams in there. What I found hilarious about it, aside <laughs> from what he's saying and stuff, is I, I sometimes I couldn't tell. If it was Cat or Prince, because they kind of have a similar right. that kind of you know tone yeah. with the voice, and I was just like, this is totally. hilarious. Were you guys had to be laughing when you were recording that? Like,
1: Lord have mercy. <laughs> I mean, I I felt like I was pretty useless in some of those scenes because I just I you know as far as like trying, I was supposed to be bantering with him, and all I could do was laugh. <laughs> it was just like this hilarious, you know. So. Um, Yes, that's pretty much what I did through the whole ex- through the whole experience. Was you know, laughed. What's it like? A lot,
0: so. What's it like being in a room with Cat Williams and Prince? Like that? That just seemed like that'd be hilarious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I I'll never forget when Cat walked in to the house, and I could just see you know his, his, the twinkle in his eyes and like the energy, you know I mean? He was just so thrilled. And I'm pretty sure he also said it out loud. Like, I can't believe I'm in Prince's house, you know, like this is amazing. (laughs) And um, that, yeah, that was, that was very cool. And at that point, you know, um, I, I considered Prince my friend. He was definitely at that point, you know, mentoring me and, and, and just, yeah, I mean, wow, he, you know, he changed my life. And, and, um, but at that point that was, you know, that was my, my dear friend. So that was just, you know, that part felt normal cat coming in. Like I said, that was definitely, it was hilarious, but it was also just exciting because I could see how he was excited. You know, Mm he just kind of walked into that world and, and he had that excitement, you know, much to like when I, when I had my, when I first met him, you know, like I said, where it's just like, wow, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm here, I'm here in this world. And yeah, it was a a beautiful thing.
0: Now you, you mentioned, you said Prince mentored you. Like what, what was, what did you walk away with being mentored by Prince? I'm I'm very curious.
1: Oh man. (laughs) That's a lot to unpack. Um, because it's, there's so many different layers, but, um, you know, just on a, on a, um, on the music tip, I mean, my God, the, the the things I got to witness, the things I got to experience as a music lover. Um, I mean, I don't, you have to give me a minute to even come up with the words, um, to describe, you know, what that means to me and, and what that's done for me. And, um, And then, you know, on the business tip, I mean, he just, and as anybody who, who knew him, uh, knew him well, or even just maybe just met him once, you know, he loved sharing knowledge. Mm. That was, he loved knowledge exchange. And that was like, that was one of his things. So it's whether you're talking about the business, the industry, whether you're talking about music, you know, whether you're talking about God and your spirit. You know, all of it. he would go deep. I've seen him go deep with strangers on that. You know, so it's just, um, yeah. I, I don't. I just honestly, I don't even know where to begin with all of the different <laughs> things that I, you know, I was, uh, um, guided, um, guided with or guided on by him. Um, it was just such a blessing. I'm just, I'm, I, I'm uh, yeah, yeah. always and forever in awe of it, you know?
0: And you were uh, around Prince for like, what, 10 years? You were, you know, working with him? Is that right?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, 2004 was my first gig. And the last gig was in 2014 before, wow. um, right before I got pregnant. Yeah. Okay. okay.
0: Man. So, <clears throat> And when you, so when you started working with Prince, is that one of the things that really sort Mm -hmm. of opened a lot of doors for you in the industry?
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Big time. Because like I was saying before, uh, up until that I was what I would consider just like a, an underground DJ or like a local Mm -hmm. DJ, you know, and um, working with him, I mean, you know, beyond touring and just being put on a, a whole different platform being introduced to I mean I don't even know how many people that would have never seen me or heard me otherwise you know um, so yeah it, it changed it changed everything it changed everything, it changed everything.